We love you. Hey, let me say once again, happy Resurrection Sunday, church family. It's so good to be together with you today uh, in this way. These are uh, complicated uh, days that we're living in. They're uh, in many ways still full of uncertainty, yet, uh, yet nothing, nothing, church, nothing gives us more hope than Easter. And um, I would say it this way, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Easter 2020 doesn't prove to be one of the most treasured and transformational ones that we've ever experienced. I'm excited to spend some moments uh, with you here this morning. I, I want to start by just saying this, you are invited. You are invited. The resurrection of Jesus Christ invites all who would come to be his bride. Jesus, the bridegroom, inviting us, the church, to be his bride. Girls and boys, all invited. Women and men, all invited. Young and old, all invited. Single and married, all invited. Everyone is invited. I have come to invite you to the wedding feast of the Lamb today. I want to use some imagery with you around wedding for our time together. Wedding imagery is really important in understanding the gospel message and everything that we celebrate around Resurrection Sunday. Paul writes to a church in the ancient city of Ephesus. He planted this church and he wrote a letter to them. It's Ephesians in our Bible. It's Ephesians chapter 5 is what I want to reference. And Paul uses wedding imagery to teach us about Jesus in this passage. We read and we learn about Jesus's unconditional radical love for us uh, in this passage from Ephesians 5. Uh, words that Paul uses are these about Jesus, our bridegroom to us, the church. He washes us with his word. He nourishes us and cherishes us. He presents us in splendor without spot or wrinkle so that you and I, so that we, so that his bride, his church might be holy and blameless before him. This is radical forgiveness. This is redemption. This is freedom. This reality of Jesus, our bridegroom, coming for us and accepting us and dying for us and raising again and inviting us to be his bride. I wonder if you uh, have ever put this together. Did you know that the Bible begins with a wedding in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2? In, in, in John chapter 2, we see that Jesus begins his ministry. His public ministry begins with a miracle at a wedding ceremony. Jesus tells a parable about a wedding feast right after his triumphant entry to Jerusalem during Holy Week. And the Bible ends with the wedding feast of the Lamb in Revelation 19. I want to invite you now, if you would, to turn your Bibles to John chapter 2. We're going to look at a, a couple of verses, John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, uh, the story of Jesus in Cana at this wedding when he begins his public ministry. I'm excited to show you something that I um, really haven't thought about or seen clearly uh, before um, from John 2. Let me pull this slide up. John 2 
1 and 2 says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus was also invited to the wedding. Cana is about six miles or so just north of Nazareth where Jesus was from. And if you read the whole story later, if you go read this whole story, it's from verse 1 down to verse 12, uh, you'll see that Jesus turned uh, the foot washing water to new wine, to good wine. Uh, they, when people would come to a wedding celebration like this, there would be uh, tubs of water, basins of water, and they would wash their feet before they would go in. And so Jesus, when the water ran out at the wedding, uh, Jesus took the, the foot washing water and he turned into the good wine. As you uh, know, uh, Jesus is Jewish. He's the Jewish Messiah. And so he performs this wedding at a Jewish wedding. And one thing uh, to know about Jewish weddings is on uh, the day of their wedding, the grooms would leave their homes, the home of uh, their mother and father, and they would go on this big procession to their bride's home to pursue the bride on the actual day of the ceremony. And I, I want you to write down or underline, put a box around it if you want to. This is what I really hadn't paid much attention to uh, before this week. Uh, John tells us uh, that it was on the third day. This particular narrative, this story is happening on the third day. It's interesting to note that in John chapter 1, he doesn't give us a sense of chronology. So it's not as if there's something happening in John 1 and then three days later, this wedding happened. It's just John begins the story with on the third day. Now, perhaps uh, John is just telling us simply that this wedding was on a Tuesday uh, for the Jewish calendar, Tuesday, the third day of the week. But I, I wonder, I'm asking uh, with you, maybe it's way more significant than just that the wedding perhaps was on a Tuesday, perhaps John is inviting us to think a little bit deeper about something here with it being the third day. And so on the third day in John 2, the groom uh, pursues, he goes to the bride and Jesus turns the water to new wine. Later in his ministry, Jesus called his whole message, the, the entire reality of his message and his mission, Jesus calls it new wine. From this first miracle, John chapter 2, turning water to wine, let's fast forward to the Last Supper. It's a Thursday night of Holy Week. It's the day before Jesus would go to the cross and die on the cross sacrificially as an atonement for the sins of the world. Jesus is with his disciples in Jerusalem in the upper room and he says this statement to his disciples in John chapter 15. He says, I am the true vine. And then he took a cup of wine and he said to his disciples, all of you drink all of it for this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of Sins. What I've come to do today is I have come to invite you to the wedding feast of the Lamb today. 
later that night on that Thursday and going into the Friday's wee hours of the morning, Friday's first dark hours, Jesus would be betrayed and he would be unjustly handed over to Caiaphas, the high priest, and the other Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. And then on Friday morning, he would be tried before Pilate, the Roman governor, who sentenced him really against his will. He sentenced him to death by Roman crucifixion to appease the crowd who were yelling, crucify. After Jesus was mocked and after he was spat upon, after being scourged, and hanged on a cross, uh, darkness on Friday covers the entire earth from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. And about that time, Jesus said these words. He said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit. And immediately, immediately, as Jesus said, it is finished, the curtain in the Holy of Holies in the temple was torn from the top From the top down to the bottom and the entire earth shook. Jesus had made a way into the very presence of God, into the very holy of holies by his sacrificial substitutionary death for us. Jesus made a way for us to have reconciliation with God, true true redemption for our lives. A rich man named Joseph of Arimathea took the body of Jesus and he laid Jesus in a tomb that he owned and the Romans placed guards there and protected that tomb with their lives. This was about three years after Jesus turned the water to wine on the third day in Cana. So about three years later, again, on the third day, Day, our bridegroom came to us with the new wine of his own blood. Jesus had predicted his death and his resurrection on the third day over and over again. And that's why the angel said this on the third day. On the third day after the crucifixion, The angel said this to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary at the tomb. The angel said, he is not here for he has risen just as he said. I've come to invite you to the wedding feast of the Lamb today. One of the parables that Jesus was telling the end of Matthew before he would go to the cross is this parable of a wedding feast. Now, Matthew 22, 9 says, the, the wedding feast is ready. Uh, go and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can. I've come to invite you to the wedding feast of the Lamb today. It really, really is true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Hope hope is alive and well. He is risen indeed. Our hope, our eternal life is guaranteed by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. And our invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb guaranteed in the death 
and the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. I said a few minutes ago that the Bible begins with a wedding. And Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding. And the Bible ends with a wedding. Uh, Revelation 19 is a prophecy of what is to come. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles now to Revelation chapter 19. I want to read a few verses out of this chapter with you. Revelation 19 verses 4 to 9. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying amen and hallelujah and from the throne came a voice saying praise our god all you servants you who fear him small and great and then the apostle john says in verse 6 then i heard what seemed like the voice of great multitude like the roar of many waters And the sound of many peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And His bride, His bride has made herself ready. And it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. In verse 9, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the very true words of God. Jewish wedding imagery, again, plays a significant role in us understanding the gospel and everything that we celebrate around the resurrection. In Revelation chapter 19, what is to come, the prophecy of what is to come, is better understood in light of three major customs of a Jewish marriage. First thing that happened is a marriage contract was signed by parents of the bride and the bridegroom. And then a dowry was paid to the bridegroom, was paid by the, by the bridegroom and his parents to the bride and her parents. This happened about a year or so before the actual wedding ceremony would take place. And then a year later, uh, the bridegroom, again, we've talked about this already, would lead this procession uh, toward uh, in pursuit of his bride at her home to be wed. This is what we talked about in John chapter 2. And then thirdly was the marriage feast or the marriage supper itself. What John has a vision for in Revelation 19, uh, what he's picturing is this third phase of a Jewish wedding the wedding feast of the Lamb, Jesus, and His bride, His church. The first two phases have already taken place before this prophecy will, be, um, will, will happen. The first phase is completed when each individual believer places his or her faith in Jesus Christ as our Messiah, as our Savior. And then the dowry, the dowry 
is paid by the blood of Christ shed on the bride's behalf, shed on my behalf, shed on your behalf. Jesus has paid the dowry by his blood for us. And then the second phase in Revelation 19 is the second coming of Christ when he comes to claim his bride and take her to his father's house. If you remember in John chapter 14, Jesus says this to the disciples, In my father's house there are many rooms and I will go and prepare a place for you. And then the third step is the marriage supper then follows is what we read about in Revelation 19. And then what John wrote to us, these are the very true words of God. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I have come today, church family, to invite you to the wedding feast of the Lamb. He is risen just as he said. He loves you just as he said. His grace is for you just as he said. And he will be with you always just as he said. And so may the love of Christ dwell in each of you deeply today. And may the good news sound forth to you and from you through electronic means today. And until he returns or calls us home here in the death by the blood of Christ, we stand and we live and we have hope and we have peace. He is risen and he is reigning today, even, even now. Will you pray with me? Lord, we give you thanks for the resurrection We give you thanks for the redemption. We give you thanks for the restoration. We give you thanks for everything that we find hope in today. Lord, that you have come for us with new wine, your blood, that redeems and restores us and gives us hope and a guaranteed inheritance, eternal life in you and with you and with each other. We bless your name this Easter Sunday. We declare with our lives, with our voices, with our testimonies, Lord, that we believe in the gospel. Thank you for inviting us and welcoming us to be a part of your family, the church, your bride. We worship you now, Jesus. Amen. As we turn our hearts back to worship uh, together, let's, let's stand and sing in joy. I would invite you to stand and sing in joy and celebration of the hope that we have in Jesus. Uh, if you have communion elements, uh, I would encourage you to take communion as we sing this last song together. And once again, if you're stirred in worship to offering, you can bring offering to our church for the mission that God has called us to online or by sending your offering into our P.O. box. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.